0: Luke 4.18 The book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 18. And then we'll jump to John 9, four. Two weeks ago, I started uh, teaching a series about leadership, but we are transitioning into evangelism. Leadership to serve. Your leadership... Um, to be an extension of God's love to humanity, hands, the eyes, the ears. And I taught that week, leading with diligence, uh, including self-leadership, importance of self-leadership. I mentioned uh, leadership is simply to, to influence. I was reading Brother Nate's report and he was talking about that, how how important it is. We influence somebody, all of us influence somebody, and we are influenced by others. And he was sharing his journey, how he realizes some of his actions in the past had to do with him looking at that person and being influenced by that person. And now he understands to a greater degree the power of influence and how we have to self-lead. We we have to become self-disciplined if we are ever to go to the levels that God wants us to be. So the word of the Lord in Luke 4.18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Notice Jesus said that the father anointed him to preach. But what happens if he never would have got out of the inn? What happens if he would have never preached? What happens if he would have never trained? I mean, from age 12, he already knew his calling. He already knew what he had to do. And father and mother were looking at him for three days. They found him in the church. And and, and they asked him, Jesus, what's the matter with you? Why? You, You disappeared on us. He says, Mother, don't you understand? I have to be about my father's business. So he was already training himself, just submitting himself to the process. So it is our responsibility to pick up the Bible, to learn, to, to, to go to theology school, to Bible school, uh, go to the small groups. Develop a hunger for that which you're called to do. And not only that, it, it won't help you just to be a good witness, but it'll help you in business. Because this is the best business book that ever existed. Most all of these self-help gurus actually get their principles from the scripture. They just take Bible away and they use the principles, which I think is a travesty because people should know where they're getting the greatest philosophy of all. And then he said, I'm I'm anointed. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. How would he be able to heal the brokenhearted if he himself wasn't healed of a broken heart? How in the world would he have been able to set the captive free if he himself wasn't free? How would he ever, ever able to uh, bring restoration of sight to the blind if he himself was, wasn't seen clearly? He had to see clearly, he had to see the will of the Lord, he had to see the purposes of God. Then he says, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Then John 9:4, John chapter 9, verse 4, says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is yet day. The night is coming when no man can work. Day is not just what we see out there now. Day also is symbolic of light, which is symbolic of revelation. Night and darkness in Scripture, when it talks about it, you'll notice it's symbolic of not being able to see clearly or not being able to understand the truth. So Jesus said, while we have yet opportunity, that's another um, example of light is opportunity we have an opportunity so while is while we have yet an opportunity let us work so say to your neighbor while it is yet op- while we yet have an opportunity, have an opportunity. Let, us let, us let us work amen you may be seated holy father i pray that your anointing would reveal itself in the manifestation of the teacher and the preacher that we might be able to hear And I also pray that your anointing would open up the eyes of our understanding, our ears, Lord, that we might hear what you are sharing with us and what you are teaching us. And uh, and, uh, uh, Lord, allow us the privilege to be able to grab that which you are sharing with us, that it might become personal revelation to us, that we might be able to incarnate it in our own lives. We, We do give you all the glory, the honor and the praise, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. When we look at the life of the ministry of Jesus, it's interesting because for the most part, he only ministered to 12 guys. I mean, he healed the sick. He went around every once in a while. He ministered to the 500. One time he sent out the 70, maybe once or twice. But in reality, he spent most of his time with 12 guys, mentoring them, pouring his life into them. Today, we view uh, ministry and success in ministry, how big the church is, how influential. Are you on TV? Are you on radio? And, you know, I, I got into that a bit, uh, developed uh Nice network with friends of mine who have TV programs, radio programs. And we uh, also were on radio for a couple of years. It was a, a great blessing. But you know what I didn't see? The flip side, which is some of these guys, they have so many bills, they have a lot of stress on them. Mm-hmm. The TV programs that some of my friends had, 25000 a month. And that's the small TV programs. There were some that had 100000 a month. So the, hence they had to raise all this money just to be on TV. And I found that, really, it it gives you a notoriety, or the speaker a notoriety, but really, uh, many times it doesn't help the church much. It's more toward their personal ministries. And everybody has their own calling. I appreciate everybody that's on TV, and may the Lord bless them. But in, in truth, I found that some of what goes on in the name of ministry really is more ego than anything else. Some of it. Some of it is real, but I found some of it is ego. Some places I entered and fellowship, I walked out never to come back again, because inside of that it was not the spirit of God; it was ego, it was one upmanship on the other. You know, just amazing to me what I saw that passed for um, Christianity or ministry. <clears throat> so, what I—excuse <clears throat> me—what I've found is that when we do it with all of our heart, when we minister, one-on-one one is the best. Amen. It's the best. Jesus did it. He's my perfect mentor. You go one-on-one. Even with multi-level marketing, one-on-one. Even with business, one-on-one. You develop relationships, and it pays back in spades. So when you, you are mentoring the life of Jesus to somebody else, you're being there with them, you're praying for them <clears throat> if they're sick. I love it. You see the change. When I was 15, I had a mentor uh, when I first came to the church. I didn't know anything about God, but somebody shared the word of the Lord with me, taught me. <clears throat> My future mother-in-law, at that time, she sat me down. Uh, Gwen what would what did we do like once a week or like two three times a week <clears throat> once a week she would sit down in her living room she would open up an opportunity for me I would get together with Gwen and the sisters we were just friends at the time and I'd just come to the church and I heard the word but I didn't know the word of God she would sat down and says this is Victor after she gave me a good cup of hot Bustelo coffee <clears throat> with hot milk oh so that was so good It was amazing, that Bustelo. And we'd sit down, we'd study the Bible together. You know, I still remember to this day. Years later, I'm still appreciative of those first steps, of those who mentored me in my early days. But now it's our turn. Now it's your turn. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So self-leadership is the highest form of leadership. We've learned that. But today, I'm going to go a little further, and I think I have to be abbreviated because... um, I mean, God wanted to minister to us. So I want to put a video, a moment, so that you could, uh, you could see the angle that I'm going to take this week because uh, there's something you need to know. And, and God loves you, but he's going to work on us because he's got to knit us together because our greatest days will be when we finally understand the power of more than one, the power of us laboring together. Amen? Let's put the video. Wow, that is powerful. So when I see that, I realize there is power in unity. There's, oh man, all of you are crying. I love it. So I was was not the only one. "Mm." Christ in us. What we couldn't do alone. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus Christ, when he had the dinner, with you know the Last Supper with his team, he says, I'm, I have to suffer. I'm going away a while. They said, no, Jesus, you can't suffer. He says, no, you don't understand. I have to do this. See, he knew that without him, they could not be successful. Without Jesus, they could not be reconnected to the family of God. He knew he had to go to the cross. So he set his face like flint. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, one of the first things that he suffered and was tempted with, was just give up. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he asked, actually asked the Father, is there any way that this could be done? And then he realized, he remembered, now my will, let your will be done. They don't have anybody else but me. I have to do this. I am the perfect Lamb of God. There are no other Lambs. I have to do this. He was tempted to give in. He was tempted to find an easier way out Does that sound familiar? Have you ever been tempted to give up? Have you ever been tempted to give in? Have you ever been tempted to find an easier way out? You're supposed to go through what you're going through. You've been going through some situations, but don't go at it alone. Your elder brother is with you. Your Lord and Savior is with you. You already paid the price. You already anointed you, appointed you, and empowered you to do what you need to do. You're not alone. The enemy will come to you and say, ah, What do you need to do that for? It's not for you. Listen, sometimes the greatest legacies are when somebody decides to do something that's just not for them. And everybody's interested in doing stuff for them. But when you do something for somebody else, that's when the great legacies get established. And God wants to see that in His people because we are an extension of His hands. And we by nature are, are very selfish, we're self absorbed, we have egos. You know, what's in this for me? But very few people are willing to say, what's in it for my brother, for my sister? What's in it for my friend? What's in it for my community? What's in it for somebody outside of the sphere of my influence? How can I help you? And even today when you hear that many times, how can I help you? In reality, they just want to get you in because they want something from you. But when Jesus said, oh, how can I help you? He really meant it. So we've got to get to that level of anointing, that level of revelation, when we actually say, how can I help you? We need to mean it. It needs to come out from the heart of God within us. Another thing is, he was arrested for being innocent. Remember at the garden when he finished? Judas Iscariot came in with his Roman soldiers. They arrested him there. They arrested him, he became the victim. But you know, he was not his own victim. He was actually a proxy victim. We were actually the victims. He was arrested in our place. We're the ones that had the guilt. We're the ones that had to pay the price, but yet he paid the price for us. He was bullied, but in essence, we're the ones that were being bullied. The enemy enemy toying with us, slapping us here, slapping us there, taking our peace away, taking our future away, taking our provision away. But I want to let you know somebody already paid the price so that you wouldn't have to be bullied anymore. Somebody already paid the price so that you do not have to be the victim anymore. And then not only that, he was betrayed. Now, I know that we are very, 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 um, how can I say, sensitized to what betrayal is. Because we all experience betrayal and disappointment in our lives. Every single one of us. This room is filled with people that have experienced betrayal and disappointment. We are acquainted with it. We understand it. But Jesus carried that so that we don't have to carry it anymore. Yes, somebody might try to bully you, but you don't have to receive it anymore. You don't have to stand anymore. It says, you don't understand. I am a child of the king. You can't bully me anymore. I am a child of the king. I'm not going to feel bad because you don't like me. You don't like me too bad. Tough. It's your loss. I'm a child of the king. I have worth. I have value. I'm special to Almighty God. What could you do to me that will make me not feel special anymore? The king of kings loves me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And many of our kids are suffering in school today. That, that's become an issue on a national level. This issue about bullying. It's always existed. But from time to time, it comes up on a national level. And it's being discussed. The problem with it is we can't get rid of bullies. You can't legislate bullies out of the class. Because bully has to do with a hard issue. It, it has to do with selfishness. I don't know why, but many times kids are just cruel to each other. But it comes from that Adamic nature, that fallen nature. So we have to take our kids and teach them the love of God, the the grace of God. We have to teach them who they are in Christ. So that when when one of these foolish little bullies come to harm them, they say, no, it's it's not going to affect me. I don't have to take my life. I don't have to do any of that because God loves me. And if God loves me, that's it. That's all I need. Sometimes your family doesn't love you. I, I remember experiencing something like that when I was a kid, from 12 to 15. But When I found out that God loves me, it made up for everything. Because many times families have pressures that children don't understand. Sometimes they get divorced, and it's not nothing to do with the child. But my parents got, you know, they left each other. They were not married, but they left each other after many years. My dad left the home. And, and I, I thought it was my fault. I was a child. I didn't know. But I thought it was my fault. I ran away. I made their life miserable because I was trying to get them together again. I didn't know. I didn't didn't create it. I could not solve it. But when I I came to church and I heard the word of the Lord and I, I understood God loves me, that helped fill in that void. And I was able to go back and minister to my father and my mother. Years later, I prayed with my father to receive Christ. Years later, my mom came to Christ right here in this church. Years later, I performed the wedding ceremony when they got back together. Uh, somebody got to say amen on that one. I actually said for the first time, in, for their only marriage, because they were not married before, they made covenant together, and I be the minister that performed the ceremony. Hallelujah. Well, because of what he did for me. False accusations later on before the governor and the magistrates. Manipulation and intimidation. Have you ever been in that situation where you sense that manipulation and intimidation? Yes, it exists. It's in this world. It's all over government. It's all over community. It's all over business. Anywhere where you go, you will find that. I don't go to church because there'd be hypocrites. Excuse me. It's not the church. It's it's in the people. Wherever you go, you'll find hypocrites. Sometimes you'll be a hypocrite too. I didn't get any amens inside. We like to do this, but we hate to do this. We all get into that. We all get caught up because it's part of our fallen nature. But God delivers us from it. And Jesus went through it. And on the cross, he nailed that to the cross. So, it wouldn't, so that it won't overtake us anymore. So if I sense that spirit of intimidation and manipulation, I'm already going, okay, Holy Spirit, I thank you for wisdom to be able to deal with this. Have you, ever, you know, have you ever had a coworker try to get you fired just because they don't like you? Have you ever had friends or family members try to do you harm just because they don't like you? Just because they don't like you, you're going somewhere, you're, 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 you're suddenly being promoted, you're suddenly going to a higher place, and then suddenly you start hearing things about yourself that are not true? Look, look at the elections right now. How I mean, there's so much character assassination going on. I, I'm amazed at how horrible and, and heinous and vile every single candidate is. I don't think it's possible to be that heinous. But yet, you know, these ads. Oh, yeah. You want to put this guy? Look what he did. It's gossip at the highest levels. Amazing to me. But that's what we deal with. But that, that's what Jesus overcame. And he overcame it for you and for me. What about the fact that he was punched? He was smacked in the face. Punched in the face. They pulled his beard off. He was bullied. They tried to obliterate his image. The Bible says that you could not even recognize him at one point. Could not recognize who he was. But yet when he rose again, everybody was able to recognize him. Right? Hallelujah. When he comes back. The second time, everybody will recognize who he is. But he took that for us. Because the enemy wants to make you unrecognizable. The enemy wants to strip you of your dignity. The enemy wants to strip you of your authority. He wants to strip you from your nature. But I set notice today to each and every one of you. Your nature cannot be smudged. It can't be expunged. Because what God has created, the enemy cannot destroy any longer. Because when Jesus went on the cross... He defeated death, hell, and the grave. He defeated that spirit that would try to destroy you. Amen. The destroyer cannot destroy you. In the Old Testament, God told Moses, tell the people to put blood on the lintels and the doorposts. So when the death angel comes, the destroyer comes, when he sees the blood, he'll pass over. That's where we get that word, Passover. And it didn't make a difference who was in there. Whether it was the the Jewish or the Egyptians. Anybody was in the house that had the blood. They were covered. The death angel would come and his goal was to kill. His goal was to kill. But when he saw the blood, he had to back off. Because he could not enter because of the blood. He could not destroy because of the blood. The enemy would want to destroy you. But because of the blood, he can't touch you. But because of the blood, he has to move away from you. He will want to come and manipulate you. But because of the blood, he has to respect the boundary that God has established. And God said, you're my child. You can't touch him. You can't touch him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because of the blood, I am victorious. Because of the blood, I have authority. Because of the blood, my purpose will be fulfilled. I can do all things through Christ, because of His love, because of that sacrifice. But it didn't stop there. Crown of thorns, they put the crown of thorns are one of the most painful things a human being can undergo. It's a very sensitive part of the body. If you get spiked here, it hurts more than in other parts of the body. But they stuffed that. They, 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 they pushed it onto his forehead and onto his head. And history says that it was so hard that it actually embedded itself into the actual cranium. Because these stones are very spiky and they're strong. Because they use a special tree. What is here? Is it not your mind? Is, is it not Thoughts? He overcame that crown of thorns that he suffered. Now gives us deliverance in the mind. Deliverance of our thoughts. You know those terrible thoughts. Those thoughts that say you're nothing. Those thoughts that say you're never going to mount anything. Those thoughts that say, you know, what's what's the use? You've overcome it. Jesus overcame even the battle of the mind for you. Say to your neighbor, he destroyed that also. So now, so now when you think... So now when you think, you can think victorious thoughts. Amen. See, my thoughts, they come and go. They come and go. And many times we just let them we, We let them roll, man. But I know a thought that comes from God and a thought that does not come from him. When it comes against the nature that he made me in, I go, oh, that's not God's thought. Out of here. I already overcame that. I don't need to deal with that anymore. And I find that many of us, we just let that happen You know, the thoughts roll Yeah, that's right, why did he say that about me? Yeah, that's right, why did he, well, what's, what's going on here? You know, we just let that in And we don't even know that the old nature is trying to grab a hold again Because the enemy don't want, doesn't want us to push forward in our destiny We need to control that Because we have the authority to Because he already gave us the overcoming power to do so Hallelujah amen and the 39 lashes on his back by his stripes we were healed amen, amen. one doctor he made a report he says there are 39 major illnesses in the world and then you have a whole bunch of subsidiary type of illnesses smaller illnesses that come from these root illnesses it's amazing there was 39 stripes the bible says by his stripes we were healed we're wounded warriors many say and yes we have scars Yes, we have scars. You know the beauty about it? When your, heart, you know, when your scar heals, it's all right. You could, you know, I got a scar. I got a scar right over here. I, I could mess with it. Don't bother anybody. I could show anybody my scar. The scar doesn't shame me. Just, that's, that's something I went through. I, over, I overcame it. Amen. Jesus had scars. Scars right here, right here on the side. And later on, he even showed, um, I think it was Thomas, one of them. He take a look at my scars. Believe. Don't be an unbeliever. Don't be a doubter. When it's open, still, you don't want people to touch it. When it's still sensitive. When it's healing. Anybody had something that's healing and then somebody touches it? It is funny because when you have a wound, for whatever reason, people want to touch that. They want to bump into you, or uh, or something happens, uh, uh, you know, a can falls or can fall right on the wound. It's amazing. Still sensitive. And somebody told me uh, a while ago, while you're still going through it, don't be s- saying it to everybody. You're still sensitive in that area. Don't don't don't, don't focus on that. Or let it heal. But once it becomes a scar, once it, you know, once it heals up, then you could talk about it. it. Become that test becomes your testimony. Amen. 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 Praise God. That's right, that's right. That scar becomes a sign of what God has done. Yes. Hallelujah. 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 By His stripes we were healed. Now, interesting, because there are some healings that are mental, emotional, not just physical. And boy, is the body of Christ hurt, wounded, mentally, emotionally. Some of the scars are bigger on the inside than they are on the outside. Well, there's power for that today. If you've got a wound on the inside, there's power for you today. If there's somebody that does something wrong to you, there's power for healing today. Yeah, but he didn't say sorry. You know, some some jokers are not going to ever say sorry. So you need to heal up all by yourself. You got to heal up without the sorry and keep on moving. Sometimes you got to tell people, okay, bye, you're my past. I'm healing and I'm moving forward in the name of the Lord because God healed me. Sometimes we're waiting for something that's not going to show up. But you need to be confident and comforted in the fact that already God paid the price. You know what's going to happen? They're going to stay way down there. You're going to keep on flying higher and higher. Glory to God. Then he was nailed to the cross. Nailed on his hands, nailed on his feet. You know, the hands are symbolic of the things you do in life. Your feet are symbolic of your journey. Interesting, he was nailed in these areas in the areas uh, that symbolize that which we do, that's which we produce. The enemy would want to keep us down and hinder us from producing the works of God, producing those businesses that are going to serve community, those, those uh, um, ministries that are going to help people, the children, uh, our, our, our brothers, our sisters in our cities, some going around the world, uh, some doing it in English, other people doing it in Spanish. But make no mistake about it, your ministry is vital and is very important. And on the cross, that sin of failure would boom! put on the cross and I'm not talking about failure that we we all fail but when we give up and we say I can't do it that's a sin not to um, God in the sense that you know like adultery or or whatever it may be but it's a sin of not releasing the gift that you had on earth because Jesus was angry with one that hid his talent he said you wicked and lazy servant so there is a type of sin of having a great gift but not wanting to give it to anybody else but sometimes it's not that you're just selfish you don't want to give it it's that you've been beat up it's that before they rejected your gift Is the enemy created a scenario where you think you're not worth it but I want to let you know today you are worth it you are needed and Jesus died on the cross Not, not only that you be saved but that also you can be all that you're called to be in life and to leave that legacy that you've been called to leave come on somebody hallelujah and because I want to be brief, I'm going to quickly show you one more video. And let the video, second video minister to you. Uh, you guys have some nail, um, some uh, tears left, right? Okay, good, good, because you might need some more tears.
1: <laughs> Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a... A masterpiece you know I mean maybe a Picasso it's like (laughs) but I want to be his masterpiece I want to be everything he created me to be and so I go to him in prayer and I say dear Heavenly Father do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son make me your masterpiece
2: Jesus name I pray amen hi whoa who are you I'm God, you said the prayer, so here I am You're not God No, I am, you said the prayer, it's how it works Okay, okay, if you're God, then uh, make it snow in here You know what, I really don't want to make it snow in here Because it'd get kind of yucky
1: Yeah, you're not God
2: Why do you say that?
1: God wouldn't say yucky I do, it's a Greek word Oh, okay, okay, Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say?
2: Lamentations is only five chapters, it's a very short book Oh, why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting Oh Okay, okay. If you're God, who's going to win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away? You answered my question with a question. I did? (sighs) Yeah, I do that. Don't I? I did it again! (laughs) Step right up. Here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm going to make you into my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay. Got it. Wait, wait. What are these about? These are the tools I'm going to use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up. Here we go. Okay.
1: Oh, hey, God. Mm-hmm.
2: How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like. Dead weight. Ooh, Speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here?
1: It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward. But I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe four to
2: five, maybe eight lines right here, that would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. The platypus. All I'm saying is, most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So, do you want to talk, or can I chisel? Talk, chisel. No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose the chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on, like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust?
1: No, I can do it any time I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I I, I gotta admit, I I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now.
2: All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see?
1: but you chisel away Just
2: be prepared You have listened to so many voices For far too long That were not for me And you have totally bought into the lie Haven't you You think you're junk don't you When you lay your head down at night After you've done the dance To get the hug You think you're junk Listen to me I don't take time to make junk
1: Is God's original masterpiece?
2: Yes, you are.
1: And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece.
0: Hallelujah. So say it with me. Say, I, I am God's, God's original, original masterpiece. masterpiece. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Earlier this week, I had uh, my monthly teleconference call and prayer time with one of my uh, dear mentors. Uh, and Pastor Ireland, uh, in his... Uh, talk with us. He shared something the Lord um, shared with him, I think it was maybe about a week or two ago. And he, he's a prophet. Uh, David Allen's a prophet. And I know him for over 20 years. Uh, some of the early days, he shared some key words that I'm living now, that I'm seeing now. And of course, I've seen uh, him minister to many people, and, and God's used them around the world. He speaks to presidents, prime ministers. Um, and the Lord uses them mightily in that area. One of the ways the Lord ministers through him is actually through dreams. Sometimes he'll show him something that's happening or going to happen or a specific truth. And he said that the Lord spoke to him, and he showed him a river. No, no, a sea, beautiful sea, expansive sea. And there were a lot of fishes just jumping up and down, and just tons of fish in that sea. And he was looking. He said, wow, just marveling. And the Lord showing him, look at all the sea, uh, and look at the fish in the sea. And suddenly he saw people going out and fishing and catching fish, lots of fish, you know, little fish, whatever it may be. But it was very expansive, and it was just a lot of fish, different type of fish. His own wife passed by. He ignored him and just went and started fishing and catching fish. Then he saw this lady came with a little small pole, and she went out there and caught one fish. And he looked. He says, man, there's so much fish. Why just do it that way? hard work catching one by one and then she came up to him and said but as long as it pleases my God it's okay and I'm okay with it and then the Lord showed him right there and says listen it's my season for harvest I have determined that this is my season for harvest and according to people's faith they will receive the harvest in this day Uh, and when he was talking it started moving me powerfully and then he said this he said, it's like parents. You want to ask them for stuff and they say no. So you learn after a while, you wait till they're in a good mood. And when they're in a good mood, that's the time to ask. Because they're more likely to give you what you want when they're in a good mood. He says, many of us have been ministering and wanting to do things outside of God's season, outside of God's timing. And he said, the Lord told him, he says, it's my mood and my timing and my season. For harvest. Today, it's going to be easy because I have determined that ever, many things that have been sowed in the past, now you're going to reap. So then I asked him this. I says, uh, doctor, with all due respect, I, I appreciate the dream, and wow, is it, it's ministering to me, but I'll tell you why in a, in a moment. But let me ask you a question first. When the Lord gave you this dream, and when he was speaking to you, was it for your local church, or was this for the body of Christ? He says, Victor, if it was for my local church, I wouldn't have shared it with all the pastors on the phone call today. This is for the body of Christ. It's God's season for harvest. And this is the time that if you would put in your plow, you will reap a harvest. And so I told him this. I said, several years ago, a prophetess came to me after we had the fire and we had some other issues. And said, the Lord said, says to you that he had to pull you back because you were moving too fast and you wanted to do some things that were not in the timing of God as of yet. So you have to pull you back for a season. So I've been in a holding pattern of sorts. I'm here, we're, we're praising the Lord, we're doing whatever we need to do, we're having a great time. And now I'm happy, right? Because she told me this, His Lord put you in a rock and hid you in the congregation almost like in the side of a mountain in a rock somewhere where people can't see you. And then she said this, but now the Lord's going to let you out. And the influence, once again, is going to come back. And, and the, the things you're called to do are going to start moving. So that was shared. Remember that, the word of the Lord? So when, when Dr. David Island spoke that to me, I said, whoa, that moves me, uh, Pastor, because I've been on a holding pattern for a while. There's some things we haven't done because I've been holding, waiting for the season of the Lord. And he said, well, Victor, it's God's mood now. It's God's timing. It's his season for people to receive their harvest. Amen. And I say this to you, in the midst of all of this that we're hearing this past month, we just, um, Sister Jay made it very clear. She said, listen, we're coming into a time of evangelism. But the reason why I'm sharing that as, as I close is that, hello, there's some things you've been waiting for. Yes. There's some things you have sold for and you thought it was lost. You thought your harvest was lost. You thought that it wasn't going to happen. You had given up already in your heart that it wasn't going to happen so forget it. Might as well not even think about it anymore. Might as well not even plan for it anymore. Might as well not give any more energy toward it anymore. Wrong. There are things you sow for come right away. Other things you sow for take time to reap the harvest. If you sow for rice, you get it the very same year. But if you sow for another type of plant or if you want to sow for a tree, it might take 10, 20 years. And God is saying it's his season now for harvest it's his harvest for the souls it's his harvest for the dreams for the things you've been hoping for Now is the time where you have to once again go back into that deep place and take out those dreams that are dusty that are old that that haven't been bearing fruit dust off the dust take out that paper like that gentleman did you know Start reading it again. Because first and foremost, God gave you your dreams. He gave you your hopes. He gave you your desires. But there was a season you had to go through. There were some battles you had to overcome. There's some issues you had to deal with. But now God says, Get ready because I'm about ready to give you a harvest. Hallelujah. And as you get together. I've given you the other parts of the puzzle. You couldn't have it before because you didn't have that part of the puzzle. You didn't have that brother. You didn't have that sister. You didn't have the connection. You didn't have the maturity. But now I'm about ready to start taking you to a higher level. And we've been hearing the word dimension uh, now a couple of months. We've had some others come in and speak about a a dimension that we are entering to. Brethren, it's time. It's time. Say to your neighbor, it's time. Hallelujah. So I need for you to uh, take your, your back, your shoulders, and do this now. And I need to, for you to walk out this afternoon like an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I need for you to walk out as a successful man, a successful woman, who knows where they stand, who knows who they are, who knows what they're called to do, and you go out there and conquer in the name of the Lord. No longer to be hindered, no longer to get into places where you just feel like giving up, no strength. No, go out with the strength of the Lord. Go out with the grace of God. Go out with the favor of God. Go out, go out like, like a Joshua and Caleb, that after all those years of waiting, God says, now it's time to take your mountain. And what did 85-year-old Caleb say to Joshua? Give me my mountain. I've waited all these years. I'm not going to wait another day. Give me my mountain because it's time for me to get my inheritance hallelujah there's some mountains you need to conquer there's some things you need to just obliterate hallelujah some confessions you need to make some declarations you need to make there's some people you need to pray for There's some promotions you need to enter into. There's some businesses you need to open. You need to give God some glory this month. You need to give God some glory this year. Hallelujah. You need to benefit some people because you are somebody's answer. You are somebody's deliverer. You are somebody's mentor. Somebody's looking to you.